It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone, it's your host Edward Ford and welcome to the Growth of Podcast, the show about all things B2B SaaS marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Advanced B2B, the growth marketing agency that helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now, joining us today on the show is Skylar Reeves, CEO and founder at Ardent Growth. And in this episode, we're talking about why SaaS companies fail with content marketing. Now, almost all B2B SaaS companies will be doing content marketing in some form or another, but are you doing it the right way? Well, in this episode, Skylar talks us through some of the pitfalls SaaS companies fall into when it comes to content and what you should be doing instead. He covers the two primary factors that should dictate your content marketing strategy, how to set goals and measure success, how to prioritize topics in a search-led content strategy, how to acquire quality backlinks, the importance of content refreshes and audits, as well as how smaller B2B SaaS companies can catch up and compete with established competitors. So there's all this and more on episode 78 of the Growth of Podcast with Skylar Reeves, CEO and founder at Arden Growth. Welcome to another episode of the Growth of Podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome Skylar Reeves to the show, who is CEO and founder at Arden Growth. So Skylar, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth of Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Edward. I'm uh, looking forward to it, man. Yeah, likewise. And uh, I know that we have a lot of demand gen and content marketers listening to the show. So this will be super helpful to them as we're discussing why SaaS companies fail with content marketing. So I was thinking to open this up, like a lot of marketers who are new to content might start off by picking a bunch of keywords from tools like Ahrefs and just start pumping out content without really thinking about why they're doing it in the first place. So to kick things off, what do you think are the two primary factors that should dictate your content marketing strategy? So when you're, when you're approaching strategy for a business, um, like content strategy is a, is a subset of the overall marketing strategy, right? And that's a subset of the overall business strategy. Um, I credit that to Jimmy Daly, uh, former um, director over at, uh, at Animals, but I think the two primary things that you need to think about when you're approaching content strategy are going to be the constraints of the business, which can tie in with the goals, you know, like what are you actually needing to accomplish with that content and really keeping that in mind, um, you know, whether it's, you know, do you need more, uh, you know, free signups or do you need more people to convert at the bottom of the funnel, right? And so you have to think about that. Um, and where the business is at at that particular time when you're approaching content strategy, and and also understanding too that they can evolve and and you know and change over time too as the business evolves. The second would probably be capacity, um, which in a sense I guess could be a function of constraint too. It's you know thinking about okay, what do your resources look like? Um, what does your velocity look like in terms of what you can publish? Um, and trying to balance those in such a way that you're not going to sacrifice quality for the sake of quantity over time too. Yeah, super good point. So constraints and capacity, and you mentioned goals there. So another fundamental question then is what is the goal of content marketing and how do you actually measure its success? Oh yeah. So I think if someone could really effectively answer the measurement question on content marketing, um, 
uh, things would be a, a lot better. It's because it's hard sometimes to, uh, you know, to be able to, unless you have really great attribution set up to be able to, um, you know, track that back to whether it's conversions or whether that's, um, you know, growth rate over time. I think fundamentally that um, your goal is going to depend on what your constraints are. So if your constraint is that you need more, um, you know, say free trials, then I would focus more on an organic growth rate over time. So um, aiming for some percentage of um, month over month um, average growth rate from organic traffic um, over time. Or if it's, if your constraints are something more like we need more like actual like murders from say a free trial to, um, uh, to paid users, then well, then you gotta go more bottom of funnel and say, okay, like what's the conversion rate of paid to, to sales and what kind of content do I need? That's perhaps going to help, um, uh, the sales team, you know, some sales enablement content to, uh, to help them convert those people. Like what do they need to, to help them take that step? So, um, so the goals there are either going to be, I'd say organic growth rate at the top and or, um, actual conversions, um, to paid, uh, paid users, um, at the bottom. Yeah. And you spoke there about organic acquisition and, uh, bringing people in uh, at the top. So if we're thinking about an SEO-driven content strategy, how do you go about prioritizing content topics for that approach? Yeah, so this is, uh, I think a lot of people take it a lot of different ways here, but I, I do kind of, I'm, I'm kind of bullish on there being a, a right way to do it. And so what happens right now is people will go to HF, SEMrush, or, you know, some tools like that, and they'll, They'll go through and they'll maybe look at their competitors and select some topics or they'll look at um, maybe they got a few kind of term mine and they, they kind of just start exploring and start putting this keyword list together and they say okay let's break these up into topics and go after them but um, and, and that's fine but I think that you end up wasting more time in the long run and so I think the best way to actually select your topics is to um, start with like what your initial you know sort of seed terms need to be and and what our approach is we'll say okay let's first understand what the total adjustable market looks like um, for this and collect everything that we possibly can um, uh, from keyword data and so you know we'll pull a quarter million half million keywords sometimes um, from hrefs that could trying to exhaust the um, uh, to understand the tam and then so oftentimes we'll go into a search console, we'll stitch that together, that data together uh, from your queries and impressions to pull a lot more data that HFS doesn't have, um, dedupe it, and then we run it through uh, an algorithm that we have here that handles topic clustering. And so from that, what emerges though are the actual main sort of hub keywords out of that quarter million set. You'll end up grouping them together so you get this idea of, okay, here are your main keywords. And then we will begin to look at, okay, what's the value return on these going to be? How difficult is it going to be to create these? Um, we create this interrelational graph between them to understand um, what order we might want to tackle them in. If you're a more established company, that's where, you know, if you're looking to go into a new vertical, you'd want to start looking, um, you know, where you have these um, interrelated connections between, say, content that you currently have and the new sort of topic that you want to go into and look for what we call these bridge connections between them and kind of build your way into it. That way you're not having to find Google the whole time to, um, to help them understand that you're now 
uh, establishing topical authority in this new uh, sort of subject, um, where if you bridge them together, it can, can happen a lot faster. So, yeah, and you hear people speak about topic clustering. So, is that the approach you're you're alluding to there? And and could you open up a bit more about topic clustering and how you approach that with your content? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, um, topic clustering. Yeah, this this approach we take we. When I first got into this world, like my, my background was in um, computer science, working on uh, like routing problems in the transportation industry. And when I first heard about topic clustering, I'm, you know, I heard everyone talk about uh, you know the hub and spoke model and things like that. And it was always this problem that I had trying to understand how do you know that you're picking the best hubs, um, hub keywords, especially whenever you're um, you know, actually trying to map out what a site architecture would look like or how your sort of plan would look like throughout the, uh, the course of a calendar year or something. And so we, we worked on an algorithm where we could ingest hundreds of thousands of keywords and then group them together into clusters, um, you know, kind of creating these topic models. And uh, yeah, so once we have that together, then we, we also have like a metric for priority score and it really just sort of paints the picture for us to say, okay, you need to create you know, X number of pages now, um, and here are the subtopics that fall within it uh, that aren't going to overlap and compete with another uh, main keyword that has subtopics. There's there's sometimes some overlap, but um, when we're looking at the the weakness between the signals, we can that's also an opportunity for internal links between the two. But uh, yeah, so that's the approach we take, and you know, we started originally with like a machine learning model, and I think that there's some people out there who are working on that, and that's great and all, but and we also have to remember too that if we're trying to do this to rank on Google, then why try to do something that's already been done? If Google's already, you know, built out in the machine learning models themselves, they're grouping things together on the SERPs. You can use what you find on the SERPs to figure out how you actually need to group these topics together anyway. And you can do that by looking at the similarity between the SERPs across various keywords and setting certain thresholds, whether it be based on a weighting of the position or um, you know, what you're seeing across tile tags, how similar they are between different, um, between keywords. And you, know, you can do that manually, but it takes forever. And especially if you're trying to do it at scale. So, so yeah, so that's our, our approach is just 100,000 keywords, group them into hub and spoke models, build a priority score off of it. And then that's your game plan on how you need to build out um, your various topics on your on your uh, on the content on your site. So nice, I like it. I like the process and and the the steps there. So prioritizing topics, then working on the topic clusters and so forth. And I guess ultimately the next step is then looking to acquire traffic and grow traffic, in particular to your blog, which is often the heart of content. So what then is an ideal growth rate from a blog? And I think particularly from a B two B and SaaS business perspective i think so i think a reasonable rate to, to aim for um is going to be you want to look for probably about a 10 percent organic growth rate um like annualized like or, or you know when you're looking at over 12 months it also depends like if you're just starting out um you're, you're going to see much larger i think than 10 percent um you know just because you're working with smaller numbers there but um, i'd say over time you want to aim for about a 10 percent growth rates um as you're working your way up to say 50,000, um, you know, organic visits per month or 100,000 organic visits per month um, or even more. I think uh, the first sort of milestone to set for yourself or to say, um, if, if you're looking at it just, just in pure terms of traffic is, is to say, okay, let's start 
for 25,000, start for 50,000, 100,000, but uh, really paying attention to the growth rate, I think is what's what's more important over time. So about 10% is healthy. If you can go more, that's that's great too. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, more is always good. And uh, a lot of people, I know they spend a ton of time trying to acquire backlinks. So mm-hmm. what's your view on this? And are backlinks always needed to rank? Um, well, I have to default back now, I guess, to that whole it depends thing, right? Um, so there's, um, I don't think that they're always needed. That being said, I think that nothing hurts getting links, you know, from, um, you know, high quality websites that, uh, uh, that may share some of the audience that you're looking to have an overlap with. Uh, I don't think that that's ever going to hurt. I would look at it the same way I would any sort of collaboration or business development. Um, that being said, I mean, you know, if you're, what we've seen thus far is like, you know, if you're more in like the FinTech industry or anything like that, like it's, it's a lot more competitive, um, versus say MarTech, um, MarTech may seem extremely competitive amongst the companies, but the tools sort of lend themselves to backlinks. So it's really just a matter of getting your name out there, doing PR, you know, reaching the right people when you've got free trials, things like that. I think you can acquire them fairly easy at scale. Um, but now if you're talking like super competitive niches, I mean, like for particular topics, like even then, I mean, we've been able to, you know, rank you know, Ahrefs and HubSpot and everyone else whenever we were, uh, you know, the like an Ahrefs domain authority of like nine. So, um, so I think they help, um, but I wouldn't always focus my energy there. I think if you, um, rather than always trying to acquire backlinks to particular pages, like if you just focus on creating some really interesting um, sort of, like popular content, right? Like some sort of tool, right? If you got a free tool, like it's going to get links. Um, uh, things like that, I think, are the best way to acquire more time. So long story short, no, I, I don't think they're always needed. But uh, but if you can get them, then get them, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And in addition to to creating good content and uh, providing unique points of view, have you found any other effective ways to acquire good quality backlinks to your content? Yeah, building relationships is really handy. Um <laughs> It's it's not always the fastest way to scale, but it, I think it has like longer term benefits over time. So, like our approach is, we basically said, um, you know, treat it the same way you would sales or business development, where there are a handful of, you know, anywhere to say ten to hundred, right? Just pick ten to hundred targets of people that have enough overlap with your audience that if they were to promote you or, um, or link you or even share your content, that it could have a dramatic impact on your business, right? And your, your overall popularity and, um, and you know, brand awareness and things like that. And so, um, so our approach was to say, okay, let's cultivate, let's focus on cultivating those relationships as much as possible. And, and like being really, you know, like be real authentic about it. Like legitimately want to connect with those people or those brands. And the links that you get from there um, not only share a high overlap with the audience that you're already trying to to, uh, to get in front of, but you know you can find these like continuing opportunities over time if you're approaching it from a business development um, sort of collaboration perspective, and the quality of the links just tends to be you know significantly higher um, and worth you know you could get say a hundred uh, you know we're going to think about like DR metrics or something like that. You can get a hundred, you know, DR 25 links and, you know, but one good DR 75 or 80 link, like just would be, would be sufficient. 
right? I mean, so that's our approach. Um, we use a tool called Obsidian to to do that, and it's it's actually really neat the way it works because you can't keep up with everything in your in your mind all the time. And so we use Obsidian to um, almost as a kind of a mini CRM to understand what's going on with people that we do want to connect with and um, and stay you know in touch with. And it allows us over time to start to see these emergent connections between various people that we are trying to connect with and like what they have going on. So it's, it's a way to see these connections between people, concepts, dates, times, places, things like that. And uh, so that whenever you do actually go to interact with them or talk to them or, you know, try to stay up to date with them, it's, it's a lot easier to, to be authentic about it because you actually understand what's going on with their life right now. You know, you find these commonalities, things that they're working on. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's our approach. Um, it's not the, uh, it's not the fastest, but I think it has the, the best sort of long-term kind of residual effects. Yeah, absolutely. Super good advice. And content marketing, as we discussed it, you know, it's not just about creating new content or earning backlinks, but another thing is, actually updating your old content. So what are content refreshes and what's the value of them? Yeah, so a content refresh is, you know, it essentially usually starts with like what we call a content audit. So you're just taking stock of how things are currently performing, um, looking to see how that's trended over time. And you're looking to see, you know, like did this content hit the mark? Is it is it pulling in enough organic traffic um, to be meaningful, does it have any backlinks? You know, you can kind of weigh those together. Um, if it's got backlinks but doesn't have organic traffic, well, okay, it still has a purpose on the side that's that's passing some link equity um, around. Um, if it's getting conversions and not getting organic traffic or backlinks, well, then that's fine too, right? So we usually look kind of look at those three things to see, you know, how's the organic traffic trending over time, the positioning, especially of it. Um, if we start to see um, you know, across a set of pages that the position has been declining over time or the position never really, you know, got in the top five um, or the top 10 even. Um, then we flag that and um, we'll put that into a list and then say, okay, these these pages need to be refreshed. They're, they're, they were missing something or the intent behind what people were searching for originally has changed. So you can imagine if it was something related to, you know, um, that's uh, more timely, like the pandemic or something, like you're gonna have to keep that content updated over time to be able to match and give, you know, searchers what they're actually looking for. Whereas if it's something that perhaps might be a bit more evergreen, but not entirely, uh, for example, like, you know, uh, marketing trends in 2020, right? Well, maybe you only have to update that once a year or, um, you know, so it's a bit more evergreen, but it still needs to be updated over time. But then you have the third category of things where, you know, perhaps the intent behind, uh, take for example, if we were looking at email templates, um, email templates and email campaign templates are two separate, um, uh, two separate topics with two separate intents. Uh, they used to be the same, but over time they they sort of split apart. And so if if a website like Mailchimp or Active Campaign or somebody like that were you know kind of targeting them both together and weren't keeping on top of the fact that they did have a, a split intent over time, um, they're going to see a decline in some of the uh, rankings for, say, um, email templates itself while they're still doing okay for email campaign templates. And that's uh, so when you do identify where those intent splits happen because you're losing organic rankings, it's time to go back and refresh that content. I think the hard part there sometimes is knowing 
you know, where should I, how should I prioritize it? Um, and, you know, you could do that by effectively saying, uh, looking at, you know, what the value is in, in analytics or something like that, or what you know that the value of uh, conversion rate analyst pages are um, and approach it from, from um, that perspective. Or you can also look at it. It's um, so like one of the things that we do is um, our party score will balance both the value opportunity that's left on the table for us to get with things like what's the um like what's this essential effort that you're gonna have to put into it because so we may tackle something first that's perhaps not as much value as another page that we need to refresh but the effort that we're gonna have to put into it's going to be say an hour versus 10 hours right and so you know when you start to think about developer hours and things like that too um those are things to really take into account you so okay i only need an hour of development time for this and here's the return on it so i usually kind of get that buy-in and get those things done and get movement versus trying to tackle uh you know, eat the whole elephant at once so to speak so yeah i think that's really really good advice and sometimes forgotten when it comes to content marketing and i think one other challenge particularly for new SaaS companies or startups is that you'll find yourself going up against established companies so from a content marketing perspective that throws up a whole new set of challenges. So how can you catch up with these entrenched competitors? So I think the best thing that you can do there is if you do have your velocity is a, a one factor to it, the sooner you can get content created and indexed, the sooner you can catch up. That's at a base level, that's just a, a effect of how, you know, search engine indexing and growing works. But that being said, again, you don't want to sacrifice quality. And I think it's still important to, um, to follow sort of a, uh, you can think of it almost like a semantic order, um, like, a, like a logical consistent order of your content. So when you're just starting out, the first thing that you're going to have to do, like, you know, people talk about there being like a sandbox and I'm not so much sure that there's a sandbox, um, like a Google sandbox for ranking as much as there is. Um, you just have to like build up top authority in a subject before you're ever going to kind of hit this uh, critical mass and uh you know and have what it's needed uh, to rank so just like uh, you know when you first uh, start college or something i mean you know you're not a you're not a phd right like you have to earn that over time and it's the same thing with content so what i would do to catch up with entrenched competitors is to understand your tam first understand the value and then start to pick topics that you want to go after and looking at things like um like effectively finding the opportunities where um, one of the main keywords, for example, or at least say two of the competitors are really outperforming everything else on the SERPs um, despite their position. So, you know, maybe the the search results are returning people like HubSpot and Ahrefs and SimRush and Moz and Content Marketing Institute or things like that, or MailChimp Active Campaign, right? Or, you know, and then you find these opportunities where a smaller sort of blog is ranking, right? Or some sort of a affiliate site or something like that. Those are the opportunities I think that you could start in first. And so I would, I would approach those first. Um, they may be a bit more long tail, but as you, once you uh, see that you're beginning to pick up rankings for some of them, you know, you're still looking at probably, uh, you know, three to six months there sometimes, um, depending on how quickly you're creating content. Uh, once you start to see yourself picking up ranks, that's when I would um, also simultaneously start to create hub pages um, to start indexing to go after the much larger terms. Um, even though it's going to take a lot longer, 
might as well get it created, get it indexed. And then as you build out the rest of the topics around it, you're always adding more and more to it. Um, so that would be, I think, the approach to take if you're brand, if you're brand new, start with long tail where, um, you know, lower um, authority type websites where at least one or two are ranking and just see that as an opportunity to claim um, that piece of the market share from that, uh, that addressable market. Yeah, that's really good. And at the other end of the spectrum, then, how can larger established sites get more incremental search traffic and value from, from their existing content? Yeah, so the content refreshes, honestly, is probably the best way to do it. Like <laughs> when, you're, when you're looking at the uh, websites like QuickBooks or, you know, with just massive, um, you know, content uh, libraries, so to speak, and, you know, support, um, you know, documentation and things like that. Like there's a ton of search volume around their branded terms too, right? So the way that they could, like the fastest way for them to get incremental traffic is, is honestly just to go through their existing um, inventory and look for where either um, refreshes need to occur to resolve, you know, search intent misalignment issues or where gaps have occurred. So I was looking at, um, at QuickBooks the other day, as a matter of fact, and um, the, uh, we, we ran just kind of like a, like 3% of their TAM through our, through our topic cluster model. And like immediately there was this, these handful of things that I was like, oh, you can go fix these. And, 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 and usually what you're going to see is one of three things, either, either you have one page or uh, you have uh, two pages that are competing for the same keyword. Um, so you can think about, you know, kind of like cannibalization, but, um, the way we really kind of tell whether or not it's cannibalization is like where those two pages ranking at, you know, if one's ranking position 11 and one's ranking uh, position 50, like that's not cannibalization. That's just the next best page you have on your site about that. It happens to rank for that keyword too. But if you've got two that are ranking, you know, say 11 through 15 together, um, that's a sign that they're competing with one another. It's kind of like you know, splitting the vote and a, and a primary, no one wins. And uh, so essentially by going to the page that you don't want to rank and understanding why it's ranking, um, remove the content from that page, add it to the page that you want to rank and, you know, just kind of keep working through the list like that. If you're dealing with cannibalization, um, you know, add internal links to it, that sort of thing. That will oftentimes get um, a pretty significant amount of lift in traffic just because there's so much of it occurring on, on large, large websites because a lot of times they just throw this content out without really thinking about how it's all going to interconnect together over time and how it's going to uh, like where it's where it's placed in the mold is and so they end up competing with one another and, and dragging each other down the other is when you're looking for those you know declining organic traffic for certain positions over time and just saying okay have we missed the search intent is there some key piece of information or way that we were supposed to talk about this that um that we just didn't get and then um, the third uh, would be whenever you, let's say we're, when we're looking at our topic model, we start to see all these gaps um, that aren't being filled. And um, it's so it's similar like to a keyword gap analysis, right? That sort of thing, except we're looking at it from a subtopic perspective with the way that things get clustered. So uh, we, we then look at those and say, okay, like, do we need to fill those gaps? So you have to kind of look at like, what's the value return from that? Um, and, and what's the effort going to be? And uh when you start to do that for large sites over time, um, you can work through it very quickly because it's often like, oftentimes it's something like you literally just didn't answer this one question that when you think, when you add up all the various iterations that uh, this question gets searched, like the, you know, different ways to ask this question, um, it ends up being another 
1,500, 2,000 traffic, right? And that doesn't seem like a lot, especially on big sites. But you replicate that across, you know, a quarter million pages, and all of a sudden, um, you know, you have economies of scale to deal with too, in terms of uh, the way it sort of uh, multiplies itself out. So, so yeah, that'd be my approach. There is focus on fixing cannibalization issues first, um, fixing uh, declining organic traffic where intent has missed itself, um, uh, missed the alignment of search intent, and then um, working on filling some of the gaps. And a note on cannibalization too: you're going to sometimes find where you have the same page competing for two different. It's, it's actually ranking for two different topics and maybe it's ranking in the top three for one but say rank eight nine for the other some people might try to optimize it for that second topic um but in really in, in reality like uh, if you're if you if you build out your topic models appropriately then um you actually don't need to optimize that page for the second one. you just need to create a new page to go after that topic and uh, you'll rank for it pretty quickly You've already established top authority there. So fix cannibalization, fix misalignment uh, by refreshing your content and uh, uh, fill in gaps. That's probably the best way to get incremental. Um, other than that, it's uh, <laughs> go talk about your competitors. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you if QuickBooks were to start writing out a, a support documentation for zero, uh, they, they'd get a lot more traffic probably. Um, it'd be interesting to see them do that because then they could paint themselves against zero when they're talking about certain... Uh, uh, how to do certain things within the tool, but uh, but I would start with the first three first because that that ladder is going to take a, a lot of a lot of uh, executive buy-in, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, super good advice. And um, one final thing before we jump to our closing questions, so Skylar, what are some of the other common pitfalls you've seen B two B businesses fall into when it comes to content marketing? Not talking about their competitors. Um, <laughs> And, and not paying enough attention to what branded search looks like for themselves over time um, and not like capitalizing on those opportunities. Like st stay on top of your branded search, understand what people are searching for related to your brand um, and create content around that because you want to participate in that conversation if people are searching for it. Um, last thing you want to do is have someone searching for your brand name, you know, alternatives or your brand name pricing um, or your brand name, you know, feature how to and have uh, some other website that might be wrong or may not paint you in the best light, be the one ranking for it. Um, so I would pay attention to that. And then uh, and I would make sure that like, you need to talk about your competitors because here, like it's here's the scenario I'll tell people is that people are going to shop around, right? Like we're either looking, uh, we either have a pain point with the tool currently and we're trying to find something to, um, you know, with the tool or service to, to, uh, to replace it. Um, or we're just trying to understand what the landscape looks like, what our options are. And so to not talk about your competitors is to say that you're okay with not participating in that conversation. But the thing is, and that conversation is going to happen, whether you decide to participate in it or not. So, you can sit on the sidelines while your competitors have a chance to get in front of people that might be a current customer or might be a potential customer. And, you know, they're getting the chance to paint themselves in the best light while you're just, for example, being stubborn and saying, no, we don't talk about our competitors. We, we don't want to risk sending um, someone to them. Well, if, if their competitor is the best fit for that customer, that's where they should go. And you should be okay with that because you should be focused on getting your ideal customers anyway. And so it gives you a chance to 
you know, even decrease, um, you know, turn even, right? Because you're, you're not attracting the wrong people to begin with. And, um, but again, by not participating in that conversation, you're also missing the opportunity to, you know, paint yourself in the best light and kind of give your pitch um, or be a part of that conversation and, and potentially uh, are losing out on more customers to your competition who is there talking about you and everyone else in the, in the landscape against you. Yeah, absolutely. Super, super good advice. And uh, Skylar, this was super good. And we can now move to our closing questions and our fast five challenge. So to wrap things up, I will ask five questions and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So are you ready? Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Great. First question, what is the one book you would recommend others to read? This is a book called Mindset by um, Carol Dweck, uh, psychologist. I would definitely recommend that one. I think a lot of people will call it uh, Growth Mindset, but uh, the book's called Mindset. It's, I think the new psychology of success. Yeah, and that's also been recommended on the show before so yeah oh, great yeah. to hear yeah. that's how i learned math or learned i could <laughs> learn math so uh, it was a game changer for me so yeah definitely second question SaaS company you love and why i really like hrefs not so much because of the tool uh, i love the tool though too but i love hrefs because of their the approach that they've taken with their content and uh both on the blog and on their youtube channel with sam um it was super educational and super useful and helpful. And uh, uh, that's something that, you know, some of the competitors weren't that good at. Um, so the education, I think, that they've put out there to really kind of, um, you know, especially like whenever we're doing new hires, the way it's helped them, it's, uh, it's been fantastic. It's, it's a great introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Third question, favorite place to learn about marketing online and maybe you kind of answered that already in the second question oh no honestly um i would say uh super path uh when jimmy left animals um he formed super path um the slack community um there's also a, um, like a, a pro version of the website but if uh people learn about marketing especially content marketing um in this respect i would say super path you want to talk about marketing in general um i've really enjoyed uh, uh traffic think tank um things like that like community star social is probably where i would go to actually have the real conversation yeah i think super super good recommendations and for sure anything content marketing related then you can't go wrong with jimmy daly so um yeah definitely uh fourth question most important growth metric oh that's man that's that really depends on your model i would say from a content perspective i'm going to look at organic traffic over time um but Ultimately, I think things come down to um, share. So looking to see what percentage of the total addressable market are you gaining over time? And, uh, you know, from that, you can look at conversion and things like that. So I would say um, organic traffic first, which is a derivative of what's the total market share that you've captured. Great. And then fifth and final question, best piece of advice for fellow marketers? Learn enough about the product that you can um, that, you, that you can really be an advocate for it. Don't uh, don't work on go work for the companies that you like using their tools. Um, but then beyond that, like if you want to make your life a lot easier, I would say focus on how to have conversations with um, developers so that when you do need help, um, that you know how to talk their language and and get. Um, get them to be more enthusiastic about helping you because um, you know especially the, the larger the organization it's just it's hard to get things done if 
uh, if you don't get buy-in from them um, or if they're constantly fighting you all the time. So ultimately, be able to talk to them, be able to speak their language, maybe learn a little bit about how you know the the underlying architecture works. Um, I think I think that'll help you uh, actually succeed and, and and get things done so that you can actually hit the KPIs and and and, and goals that you're aiming for um, in the long run. Awesome. Well, Skylar, I have to say thank you so much. This was absolutely fantastic. It was a real pleasure having you on the Growth of Podcast. Thanks, Edward. I appreciate it, man. This was a uh, really good question. So. That was Skylar Reeves on why SaaS companies fail with content marketing. So thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd love for you to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And as ever, you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth of Podcast brought to you by Growth Marketing Agency Advanced B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off. And make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different